This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm your host, Jeremy Bergeron, the Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org. And this is the show where twice a week, you'll get VIP access into the hearts and minds of some of the most influential marketers in the world. On Marketing Trends, we'll do two things. We'll go deep on a human level, and we'll go even deeper on the nitty gritty of what makes for the most successful marketers and strategies today. I'm glad you're here. Now let's get into it. Where is the line item in your company's budget for design? Having the right elements and the right design is critically important to reaching the right people the right way. Detria Williamson, the chief marketing officer of IDEO, has years of experience working with clients to create meaningful impact through design. The world of design has shifted, and as Detria and her team seek to meet the needs of the new design buyer, it's more important than ever to listen carefully to what their customers are seeking. The new design buyer, their CMOs, their CIOs, their CTOs, their chief diversity officers. So we really needed to make sure that we were expanding our listening ability in terms of making sure that our services were known to other leaders across the C-suite. So articulating all of our communities and deeply listening internally and across all those communities. On this episode of Marketing Trends, I'm really excited for you to get to hear more from Detria as she goes deep about the inclusive customer experience that she is helping to not just create, but become common practice across the industry. Detria has a revolutionary way of thinking about building her team of designers, seeking maximal creativity and diversity of ideas as the primary focus, and she explains it all in this episode. All this up next on Marketing Trends. Your content is at the heart of what you do. It connects your company to others, teaches them, guides them, and inspires them. But creating, managing, and editing content at scale is often very chaotic and difficult. Empower your content teams with Brightspot Content Management System, made specifically for marketers and corporate communications leaders. No more waiting for a developer to have to piece things together. Put the power to create and deliver powerful yet complex digital experiences into the hands of your marketers with a comprehensive suite of ready-to-use tools and functionality. Bring a bright spot to your tech stack, your customers, your team, with the Brightspot content management system. Visit brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to learn more. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Marketing Trends. It's your host, Jeremy Bergeron. I am so excited and honored that we have Detria Williamson, the Chief Marketing Officer at IDEO, on the show today. It's happening. Detria, how are you? Jeremy, today I'm on with you. My debut on a podcast with a rock star like you. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. I love it. I, I, anytime 
I get to have anyone really on the show. I'm super excited. But there are people like yourself who have a really cool story that's still being written. This career path you've had, this, this experience you've had working with some iconic brands, leading some really cool teams, no doubt, seeing marketing from a lot of different perspectives. And so like you specifically are one human that I'm excited to dive in on. I just want to know from the beginning, like before we go anywhere, where did it start for you? Like what was the genesis of marketing for Dietria Williamson? So I've, I've got two parts to that answer. First, I did. I, I haven't only like lived abroad most of my life, but I've, I've grown up most of my life abroad. So I spent most of my time in Germany. I studied abroad in Argentina, also in Paraguay. And so I kind of grew up with this fascination of watching people, understanding how people live. I don't think I inherently knew at that time that that was sort of ripe for a career in marketing, being fascinated with people and culture, but that served me well. The second part is, you know, potentially embarrassing, but guess what? You, you, you get to have it first, which is I graduated with straight A's from high school, thought I was going to be a doctor as a first generation kid going to college. My parents were like, well, you get to be a doctor or a lawyer and uh, basically got a C with the free tutor that I had on campus. And I was like, this is not looking good. So I, I, I quickly sort of changed my path. And to be honest, advertising was the only class at the time that was still available for me to fulfill a prerequisite. And I took it and I did really well. So there you go. Wow. Out, wow. out of failure came, came my marketing career. <laughs> I love it. Well, were, were there any particular brands back then? You know, Because I know people are going to Google you and check out where you've worked. And we can talk about some of that. But were there any kind of brands that when you kind of started to tune your attention towards this marketing world that that caught your eye? Because now clearly at the helm of, of IDO where design is really important and really thoughtful design is really important. Were there specific ones that you remember back then that kind of got you? You know, I would say all the brands we know and love got me. That would be Nike. That would be Apple, Hallmark. I still write handwritten cards. So I loved Hallmark. I loved their commercials back in the day. And uh, yeah, so watch out for your card. I love it. Okay, cool. So it's been said that IDEO you know, was a brand and working there was the position that you had your eye on even before your time at Accenture where you worked. First off, can you tell us a little bit about some of the digital transformation aspects you were working on during your time at Accenture and some of those kind of same tools and things you carried over to IDEO? Sure. I mean, you know, I, I primarily went to Accenture to, to actually get my hands dirty, if you will, even though it was at a very senior level from a digital technology standpoint, because I found myself basically purchasing and leading all these huge multi-million dollar RFPs for companies where I was leading their brand transformation. And I felt like I was losing groundswell in terms of really understanding what I was buying. So uh, I went to Accenture to really master my skills of, you know, how to be agile, how to use technology in the most, I would say, innovative ways, really being on the cusp of what technology could drive. So while I was at Accenture, I would say it was very intentional to go there. I would say that the probably most well-known 
digital tool that I created while I was there is called inclusive customer experience it was really and it but it, it really fell out of design a design thinking workshop that we were we were doing so again design thinking you know has always been this kind of throughway savior uh, I would say to to my career it's like a it's it's a safety net and the reason I'd always had my eye on ideas because I felt like it was this kind of secret society to get into. And I thought, how do we open this up? I just, I wish I could just knock on the door to that brand and say, you got to open up. You're doing this incredible work. How do we unleash the world getting to know to, to, to sort of become more familiar with all this incredible work and impact you're having? Okay, so you brought it up before I could. I was going to ask you about this really cool thing that you've been credited with, which is called inclusive customer experience. I mean, I love all those words put together. So, but I want to know a little bit for our audience, kind of how that came about. Like, how are you implementing this idea of inclusive customer experience? And then kind of how are you able to build off of that? Sure. So again, it really arrived out of, you know, humans, people coming together through a design thinking workshop where the question was, how might we be more inclusive? All the brands are coming to us. And being, you know, going back to my childhood where I'm always infatuated with kind of watching people, their behaviors, things they're doing. And I thought, I I don't know that we're really asking the question in the right way, because the answer was always um, to sort of basically solve for your internal culture. And I feel like everyone was doing that. But I think the loophole and where I found there to be a lot of emptiness in terms of performance, in terms of uh, brands and hitting their inclusion targets were two things. One was that everyone was focused on diversity, which obviously is a, is a key focus, but I do believe that diversity can be engineered, but inclusion can't. So companies were doing a really good job of sort of engineering diversity, and they've probably been working on that for decades. I don't think focusing on diversity for great companies is new. But how do you transition that to being inclusive? And it was being missed, one, from an internal perspective, but certainly from a customer perspective, which is why you have so many brands, you know, really the past decade kind of cornering themselves in terms of, you know, providing these experiences which are alienated and not inclusive. So I decided at that time, really what the market needs is a tool that helps them to be inclusive end to end. So how do you design for inclusion, not necessarily limiting it to only your culture? Because I don't believe that you can just hire your way through the problem because that sort of straps back to diversity being engineered. So how can brands begin to think about this idea of designing for inclusion, especially those that are maybe even going through, a lot of times we have CMOs who are about to go into a rebrand or they just finished a rebrand or they're in the middle of a rebrand, right? And I think this is important to maybe note for some of those folks. Well, first, this, this sounds really simple, but there are so many CMOs that don't have the luxury, the privilege, or sometimes it's even the awareness to have design built into their budgets. So when you say design for inclusion, that requires intention, requires you to allocate resource, financial resource, team resource behind it. But what you gain from it is beyond imagine, but really it gives you the safety net that you need so that what you're designing for, you actually end up having. So I think having a more inclusive brand and a more inclusive experience has to be designed for. 
So the answer might, might seem really simple, but it really is making sure that you're doing that in an intentional way and making sure that you have a design partner, which to me, the, the, the best design partner in the world is IDEO. Yeah. I mean, it, look, it's a brand I know for me, you know, I spent a, a few years at Google and working at some other cool brands and IDEO was a brand that I always heard about. I never engaged with, but I just knew when it came to design, I'm like, you think IDEO, it's like design IDEO. Yep. All day. And on that note, I'm I'm curious kind of from your your words and perspective here, because IDEO props itself up as this global design company, right? But what does that really mean in your in your words as CMO of that brand? IDEO in and of itself in the design space has this halo. So our upper funnel is fantastic. But in terms of people really recognizing us as a global company, in terms of people understanding how broad design services are that we actually provide in terms of you know, sustainable design, designing for transformation, designing for government change, designing for impact. Just like you said, so many people, you know, they think design, they think IDEO, but they either don't know how to get to us um, or they don't quite know the type of design that we do. I mean, I was just talking to a CMO the other day about designing for privacy. You know, all of those things when they're designed for one, the intention there, particularly working with IDEO, is always done from a human perspective. I mean, I think that's clutch now for, for marketers going into the next century. What kind of challenges does it present, you know, having, you know, over 23 different creative services across industries? I always find it interesting. And, you know, IDEO is a big brand, you know, almost a thousand employees, you know, globally. If you look at the stuff that IDEO is doing, you're going to see there's tons of offerings in design. There's this really broad sweeping palette, as you just mentioned. But that also can be probably challenging, right? Because it's like, how how do you give all of them the right attention, you know, and present that to the world in a way that's appetizing, given that there's so much choice and there's and design is commoditized in a lot of ways? What are the challenges that come with that? Having such a broad palette of offering, you know, sweeping industries, and how do you even navigate that as CMO? What are you kind of focusing on to to make that more simple for folks? That's such an amazing question, especially because it's something that I feel like, you know, as a as a marketing team at IDEO, I have a fabulous marketing team, you know, we we grapple with. One, just working within an organization where you're working with these, you know, incredibly creative human beings, meaning, you know, our designers, our community of designers, they, they are our secret sauce and they, you get into a room with them and they are so dynamic, so ambitious, and you need to sustain that in order to take on the impact that the world needs. So first, I think it's marketing, just being able to tap into that and to be able to sort of simplify what you have is this global collection of incredible designers. It's a huge task to take on that we're working harder on, I would say, on an ongoing basis. Then when you look at the sort of conventional marketing tactics of how do you make sure that we do actually spread our message across industry, I think what's kept us whole is really staying focused on the impact that we want to to drive. So for example, if that's transformation, if that's circular economy, if that's shifting people's value systems as we look to save our planet, those are things that actually hold and don't discriminate against industry. So I think what we've really worked hard at from a marketing team is to make sure that we hold true to the impact that we want to have. Otherwise, it's so easy for us to get lost because you're right. 
We do a ton of impact work across lots of different industries. We do everything from product design, our sort of ability to be makers is second to none, all the way through to experience design and working on transformation with some partners that we've worked with for a decade or two, and it's pretty vast. So it can be a huge undertaking from a marketing perspective. What does your current marketing mix look like now? Like what channels are you seeing success in? You know, where are you kind of experimenting? Maybe some been some surprises uh, along the way. Well, our upper funnel is pretty incredible. So I would say as a marketer, you know, it's a privilege when you come in, especially with a brand our size where the upper funnel is, is still quite healthy without really doing some of the, I would say, more modern kind of digital marketing that you need to do. So we are moving more into search, for example, um, which the company, you know, IDEO, we've typically not done search in the past. So imagine we've maintained, I would say, pole position from a design thinking perspective, but I came in and I looked and I was like, where's the budget line for search? (laughs) So um, I would say that's one thing. Again, Sounds simple, but for for IDEO, that's a, that's a place that we have to go to just in terms of sort of staying tidy and not allowing others to kind of tap into our equity. Wow, that's huge. What else besides search that maybe there was there, were there any other surprising channels that came up or maybe ones that weren't being utilized as as much as they could have been? Well, if you look at, I would say our content, again, you know, we have thousands it's literally thousands of impact stories. And even working at other great places that I've been before do not have the sort of treasure chest of use cases and case studies and work that IDEO has done. So really the the new thing that we're doing right now is really exploring content in new ways really um, making sure that we're on the outer edge of offerings that we know that Google and Facebook have, for example, that are things that we haven't done in the past. So really making sure something that I've, I've spoken to sort of a cohort of CMOs about is before the pandemic, we would all talk about journeys and we would write these journeys, but I think it has to be more active now. IDEO can be a partner in that in terms of journeying how do, you, how do you make sure that you're journeying with your customer? And that really switches how you create plans to journey. So um, that's, that's a big shift that we've made because it, it makes it more active what you have to do every day from a marketing perspective. One of my favorite questions of any CMO is, what did you do your first 90 days in the role? And I've heard some really interesting answers from some all-time greats. And I love hearing what people chose to do because when you enter an organization like IDEO, like other brands, there's there's a couple of paths you can take a CMO. And and I'm not saying that I know this is the, be- the best one, but I've heard some really interesting ones. You are one, Dietria, that I want to know. What did you do your first, th- your first 90 days? What, what did that look like? What are the things you established? What, what are the, some of the priorities for you? So the first 90 days... In true, I would say, IDEO style was deeply listening. And I have to say that it was so different, you know, other places to your point, it's like first 90 days, you you show up or you get cut out, you know? So 
at IDEO, it was like, you know, we really, they, they basically asked, we really need you to, to, to be a deep listener. And that's what I did. So I would say making sure that we established who our communities were so that we weren't only doing the deep listening internally, but that we were doing the deep listening in terms of who are our future recruits as a community, doing deep listening in terms of our potential new clients. And, you know, I would say we're pretty clutch in terms of having relationships at the CEO level. Thank you, CEOs, for that. But the new design buyer, you know, and you said it yourself, they're CMOs, they're CIOs, they're CTOs, they're chief diversity officers. So we really needed to make sure that we were expanding our listening ability in, in terms of, you know, sort of making sure that our services were known to other leaders across the C-suite. So articulating all of our communities and deeply listening internally and across all those communities. That's what I did my first 90 days. And I was so thankful to, um, you know, to be paid for that. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, look, a couple of things I want to comment on that. One, that is the answer that I I do start to hear more and more is, is you know, CMOs that come in and they just do nothing but listen. They just stop. You know, Marissa Meyer is an example of one. When she joined Yahoo, took over as CEO, she got a lot of flack because she didn't do anything at first, right? She just listened. She just was talking to people and figuring out what's going on. And she didn't come in with this huge strategic plan and start making these. She just waited, you know? Um, and there's been folks I've had on that have said the same thing. Uh, Kevin Warren, CMO of UPS, an amazing CMO. I asked him the same question. He said, listening, you know? And so it's some really important to see folks like yourself on the executive leadership team at the helm of some really awesome brands when you have access to a lot of, you know, virtually unlimited creativity and support and you decide to wait, you decide to stop and decide to listen so much so that not only listening to what's happening now, you're listening for the future too. And so that's paid off clearly because you're coming up on your first year, you know, in your role as CMO, which is huge. You know, CMO is either you come into, you know, either rebrand, you know, or reorg or retire. Right. And so, (laughs) so, so, you know, better than anyone else that it's a full contact sport being the CMO. And so congratulations for making that move for, for listening, you know, and I think cultivating that is really powerful as you grow and expand because this isn't it for you, but it's cool to see that, that you, you played that card. So well done. Thank you. It did. It didn't. It didn't come without any bruises, though. I would say I was. I was, <laughs> yeah. I was a deep but active listener with the, <laughs> Got with, it. the with a few bruises along the way. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, I'm curious about if any kind of campaigns, projects you did work on in, in these first kind of eight months there, stuff that you can talk about that was really cool that you had a hand in or just being a part of supporting the team that was creating that. Anything stick up? Because there's been some famous things that IDEO has done with Apple and some big brands in the past, but any more recent things that you're really proud of? This will, uh, maybe this will make you laugh, but I can't believe, you would not believe the infatuation in the shopping cart. I mean, it's a case study that is still top of mind for business schools. So I, I would love to come in with the agenda of like, what, what is our new shopping cart case study? Because we have so much incredible, impactful work, but the world is still infatuated with the shopping cart. So I just have to tell you, it just is like a campaign that keeps giving and giving. So um, the shopping cart is still there. 
I think something that we do really well, though, that you can look forward to seeing, hearing more about is these questions that we ask, questions that either come to us or questions that we help reframe for people. They're big. They're driving the world forward, driving the world into different places, helping companies really transform. And they usually don't come to us with small questions. They come to us with big questions. So I would say, be on the lookout for that. Wow, I love that. And that's gotta give you, as a marketing leader, really cool perspective, because you're now getting to see and shape and support the vision of some iconic brands, also some up and coming brands. And so that just gives you such perspective. And I think with your time at Accenture as well, I mean, of course, Accenture and some of these awesome in the big four and five, it gives you so much perspective of, you know, and you now are at the, again, at the top of the design world. And so you said something, I think in an earlier interview, and I wanted to ask you about it, kind of your, the next level of it, which is kind of, how do you navigate the world of oversimplification and commoditization and of design, right? It seems to be here where it's here now. What do you, what do you do about it now? You know, I feel like you have to open up to it. My foundation is as a content marketer and we've seen content become commoditized. We've seen content become democratized. We're seeing the same trend in design, but I think, you know, entities such as IDEO, again, we're, we're in pole position for really knowing how to do it. We build up the design muscle. We build up the design fluency. So I think it's just making sure that you're present. So I'm always talking about the new design buyer. You know that, you, you know, I myself, I, I'm, I'm a, a scrappy self-taught designer. You know, I didn't have um, the privilege of going to one of these great schools. I'm so honored that I, I get to learn right under the helm of, of David Kelly. But, you know, I didn't get to go to, to Stanford D school. And I feel like the world responds in that same way. People know that IDEO is where it's at, either IDEO, any of the other brands that we have, people know that we're the, the trusted partner. We know what we're doing. And so I don't really see it shifting in terms of the services that we provide. There, there are some entities, some clients, big clients that you and I both probably know and love that come to us and they do ask, we want you to build up our design fluency, culture, gravitas internally. That's what they want us to do. There's not a lot of design partners you can go to that can do that. You know, you can go to some firms, they can come, they can do the six week, the eight week kind of design thinking quick workshop. We can do that. We can do that with our eyes closed. But we're also really a partner there through this shift in democratized design, through this shift of commoditized design, because I think IDEO is the partner to really build up, I would say, the next sort of class of global design citizens. Mm. Where should modern CMOs really be focusing on when it when it comes to design and thinking about their brands? Look, we get a lot of the Fortune 100 and 500 Global 2000 on our show. It's always interesting to see some of the things they're doing from a brand perspective and how they're evolving. But a lot of these leaders will listen to this conversation and be thinking, hmm, how can I be thinking about, about design and really being thoughtful about it as a modern day CMO? So... Um... Only because it's you, and we've already decided that it's you know it's a it's a love fest on the show. So I'm going to give some free advice. Here we go. Three things from a design perspective. One is designing for inclusion. Two is designing for privacy, 
And three is designing for experience. I think CMOs have to do that. And I, I would almost throw a fourth one in there, which is designing for growth. So the sort of old school way of thinking of design is only the way in. As CMOs agendas continue to just spiral out of control, designing with intention across those four areas that we're constantly hit with and just can't, you know, again, you can't hire your way through it. I don't think that that's the only or the quickest or most agile way to solve for uh, CMOs answering to those big challenges. I would say designing your way through them is is the way forward. Mm. There's my free advice. I love it. I love it. <laughs> tell me, tell me about this amazing team that you have as well, because clearly there's some amazing human beings that are all around you at IDEO. And I'm curious if you could touch on why are they so amazing and maybe a story or two, because I want to know about this badass team. They are incredible. And um, I would say bad ASS because I have kids, you know. Got it. Whoop, whoop, whoop for the single moms. Um, even though I don't know, my, my kids probably curse. They're probably laughing, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) so the reason I have such an incredible team and have had incredible teams in the past, but especially now I have an incredibly diverse team, incredibly diverse. And I would say diverse in all caps, you know, not just looking at diversity in terms of gender, diversity in terms of ethnicity. Those to me are table stakes. And when you hire radically inclusive leaders, those things just happen. They should happen automatically. But diversity in terms of, you know, how they gain their skills. If you go and you actually recruit everybody out of San Francisco that's grown up the same way, that's come out of the same type of household, that's had the same track through, you know, the UC schools, no knock against UC schools or the schools there, you're probably going to get people that approach a problem that come day to day uh, with the same sort of approach. They, They come with the same stories, the same way they attack problems. I sort of radically and relentlessly seek out teams that are different. And my team is incredible because they are all so different, incredibly skilled. No one has the same background. And that, therefore, when you put us all around the table, it is a freaking feast of greatness. It is so great. It's so good what we bring. And I'm just, I'm so incredibly proud of the team that I have. So shout out to the, the IDEO global brand marketing team. I love that. Feast of greatness. That is something I'm going to use in my repertoire now. Thank you for giving me that one. I'll steal yeah. that one. Yeah. Okay. Um, you got I love it. That. You can have it. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Um, truly incredible. Um, you know, something that I like to, to sometimes, you know, ask about on this show is, is, is confidence. You know, there's a, there's a lot of study and, and research out there in terms of confidence of the CMO. And, and, you know, if you're not confident, you're not going to take chances. You're not going to be bold. You're not going to be yourself. Right. And so there's this kind of second guessing that can happen. So I think it's really important for leaders to really ensure that they have their own trust and confidence and others have it as well. And I'm just curious about this for you. You know, how do you build it and how do you help others build it? Because I don't think we explored enough. And I, and I certainly think, you're someone, if I look at, you know, the, the the piece of paper that tells me your career, which is all the things that you've done, this is something that you've had to build to get to where you are. And I, I'd love your thoughts on that. 
That is such an awesome question. I would love us to, to you and I, let's commit to having a part two. Um, one, because IDEO is really a shepherd of creative confidence. Uh, you know, we, we talk about that being the need for companies to actually take a brave step forward. But confidence, you're right. CMOs right now, you know, the, the, the bowling pen ball game where there's the, the little magnetic pens that you roll and they just pop back up. CMOs are just, we are constantly hit now, especially I would say since the pandemic. And if you are not a brave leader, if you're not a confident leader, one, your teams are just going to unravel at a rapid pace. So I would say it's more like maintaining your confidence. And in order to do that, you have to stay inspired. Sometimes you have to seek that inspiration outside of the, you know, 20 Zoom calls. I maintain making sure that I am reading articles, listening to your podcast, for example, just to stay inspired. You have to stay inspired and stay nourished because our agendas are, are wicked. They're just crazy. So that's one thing sounds, again, really simple. But if you want to sort of stay confident, then you have to stay nourished. You have to stay inspired in order to maintain and sustain inspiration to your teams. They require CMOs to do that. I think CMOs are inherently brave and confident. Otherwise, you, you just you'll get eaten alive with this job. So I would I would say, you know, back in the day, though, I wish I was a CMO like 20 years ago, though, because, you know, that's when we were all sitting around the table looking at in situ shots of, you know, bus, <laughs> bus boards and things like that. So those days are long gone. When, when times were good. Yeah. When, when times were good. So I would say staying inspired, staying nourished is really important in terms of maintaining your confidence. You know, if you don't have the rest of your colleagues, the rest of your C-suite, the rest of the, the, the people all around you, if they are not fully on board with, with journeying with you, it's, it's, it's going to be a rough, rough place to stay confident because we are constantly questioned and challenged. And we're also brought new challenges. Generally, the things that CMOs are attacking today are unprecedented. There's no playbook for it. And ding, ding, ding. This is where design comes in. Exactly. You know, this is, exactly. this has been my, my secret clutch to my career really has been being afforded and having had CEOs and, and CMOs that I have even worked for in the past that believe in design. I love that. Talk a little bit about sales and marketing alignment. You know, it's something that will be a topic, I think, for as long as there is something called sales and marketing, there'll be something to talk about. You know, how do you approach aligning sales and marketing now being the CMO, especially at IDEO, where I think it's a really special brand. You've had other leader, marketing leadership roles in the past, and I know you've dealt with this in various ways, but kind of what's your take on, on how to best do it, how, you, how you're doing it now, maybe lessons learned, just overall kind of opinion on that. I'd love to hear it. I wish it was a longer answer, but it's it's simple. And I don't know, maybe it's it's funny. That used to be this long debate, right? Knowing marketing and sales and to your point, how do you align it? And yeah, you had to go in with all, you know, all the bells and whistles. But now the answer is really simple. It's called Martech. The Mar Martech stack brings it all together, tells the story, removes anything that's anecdotal, I would say, it's all right there. 
So I would say make sure that your infrastructure is in place so that you can use MarTech to really align sales and marketing. And it doesn't matter if you are a company of 20 or a company of 200,000. There's, there's a stack out there for every size company. And MarTech is really the, the answer to aligning. I mean, now it's also legal, right? You've got GDPR. And again, 10 years ago, I wasn't, I wasn't sitting with the chief legal officer. So the MarTech stack brings all of that together now. There's so many awesome software platforms and tools. There's a, there's a graphic going around the internet with a MarTech-like tree matrix of like the million MarTech solutions. I mean, it's, it's so vast. And there's some great ones. Like we're evaluating some for our company as well. And like, there's some great okay. ones and there's so many of them. And you could literally be trying a new one out every week if you wanted. How do you deal with that? Because there's a lot of innovation happening in MarTech. I mean, we're, we're getting data on folks that are, you know, visiting our website down to where they're located and what company they work for and what they're, I mean, we're getting all this intelligence that we never had before. And every, it seems like every week there's something new and cool popping in that world. And it's important in your role to have that information too. How do you navigate that? Because it is cool. MarTech's awesome. It's needed. And there's so much of it. And you could be, there's so much intelligence that you could be looking at, especially in your role across lots of different industries. Well, I think first it's making sure that you, you have all the tools in place and meeting the brand that you're working for where they are. So for example, at, at IDEO, the same approach. And I, I've also advised others of this that, Investing in, you know, sort of the Bentley MarTech stack, but then you don't have the content budget, then you don't have the people to analyze all the data. I would say, you know, it's like you have this fancy car, but you don't have anybody to drive it. Where we are right now is, is actually just making sure that we maintain, I mean, IDEO actually has a really healthy MarTech stack. Again, being at an innovation company, it's hard because we like all the shiny stuff. You know, we're the ones to say, yeah, we'll try it. But, um, you know, I'm usually there to say, okay, we could try it, but, you know, let's make sure that we've got the content, the production, the people to actually sort of see it through. And if you don't, then I think you kind of put it on the shelf until you are able to do that. I also think as there's new software platforms, to your point, there's so many, I call it the spaghetti stack. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's so exactly. much out there. You know, um, but I think when you are trying to make that choice, it's really important to make sure that you have the support that you need from the new software tools. Make sure that you have that, that through line, especially I would say for smaller, mid-sized companies, because sometimes the shiny one comes, they've got really attractive offer, but then you might not have the support that you need uh, to really see it through. So, yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned content a couple of times, and I'm curious about how much of the focus there is on creating content for IDEO, original content, how you how you look at that. It's such a, it's a world that we play in with our studio all the time. Brands come to us and say, we need original content. You have access to a, a lot of really cool perspective on design and content and what's really hot and what's not. But what's your kind of approach to that? that it's, some brands I've noticed are focusing more on the content side of things. Others have a slice of it in their budget and that's really it. Where where does IDEO and kind of how do you think around just content and content marketing and playing in that game? Well, coming from, you know, brands like ESPN, Discovery, I'm always going to be the one wearing the content flag and pushing to like push the budget three times, you know, no matter where I am. So I would say that that holds true. 
The great thing again, though, about IDEO is that we don't actually have to work hard for that content. It's there. Our, our designers are so amazing. Our clients are incredible. The problems that we're, we're tackling and solving. So thankfully, this is probably the first time, and it was a surprise, that the content's there. If anything, it's about how, as a marketing team, we can keep up with, again, sort of making sure that that story is told and heard particularly externally, but the content's there. So excited about that. What does the next era of design look like? I definitely, you know, you touched on this a bit. I think there's a new design buyer. I think generations that are following us, I think design is going to be a a mindset that they pull into their their day-to-day lives. I think it'll sort of surpass, again, just something that sits as this kind of secret sauce for a CEO. I really think that design is fit for purpose for the world. And it doesn't really matter, hopefully, which is what IDEO is doing, is making design accessible around the world, no matter where you are. Love it. Thanks for being on the show, Dietria. This has been incredible. Someone like yourself has such cool perspective and experience into design thinking but at brands around the world. And it's just such a privilege and an honor to sit with you today, to get a little bit into kind of how you think about branding. And you dropped the mic so many times today. I wish I had that drop the mic button. Drop the mic, because you you just shared some really insightful things. Thanks for being on the show. You rocked it. We will do a part two. We'd love to have you back. Thank you, Jeremy. You've also been amazing, you and your team. And like I said, I totally... I didn't binge out on Netflix last week. I binged out on you. So I'm like, nice. yeah, there you go. Cool. I appreciate the love. Definitely. And um, yeah, it was such an honor. And again, we'll we'll definitely do a round two. So, uh, okay. Let's jump into the lightning round real quick. Uh, Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Uh, Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Dietria Williamson, Chief Marketing Officer at IDEO. Are you ready for the lightning round? I'm going to go for it. Let's see. Let's do it. First question. Are you a designer? If so, like what's your niche now that you've kind of learned some design skills? I am a self-made designer, I would say. So that means I'm scrappy. And my niche would be designing for growth. Mm, Love it. What's one trend in marketing that you're bullish on? I'd say my marketing trend that I'm bullish on has got to be content. Love it. Love it. We love that one. That's our favorite for sure. And what's the best thing you've bought under $100? Oh, that one's easy. Skittles. I love that. Skittles. Okay. That's a first for the producers. we got to mark this one. Skittles. Um, what is one brand you're loyal to besides IDEO? I'm a loyal Apple fan. It's crazy. I mean, to the point where my kids, you know, they're like, mom, we don't, we don't, we don't need the new iPhone. And I'm like, yes, we're going to get it. We're going to get it the day that it's released. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Okay. Last question. What is your best advice for a first-time CMO? Best advice for a first-time CMO is, you know, nourish yourself. Keep yourself nourished. That's huge. Cool, Dietria. Thanks so much. We loved having you. See you later. Take care. Bye-bye. 
you have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.